You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and uh, we're talking books, and we're chatting with Colin Barrett. And coming out this week is his second book, Homesickness. And Homesickness is based on a series of stories based in County Mayo, where Colin spent much of his life in and around the Ballina area before migrating to Toronto. Colin's first book, Young Skins, got several major literary awards when it was published in 2013. It got the Rooney Prize for Irish Literature and the Frank O'Connor International Short Story Prize, Guardian First Book Award. And now Colin is just releasing here in Canada his second book, Homesickness. He was born in 1982, grew up in County Mayo and came over here to Canada in 2017. Colin, thanks a million for taking the time to come on and have a chat. A bit about yourself, County Mayo, the Balna area between Balna and Foxford, you grew up a quiet part of Ireland. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, quite enough part, I suppose, Austin. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, that's where I grew, up. I grew up. I grew up in a very rural, very small village, really, you know, just surrounded by farmland and a few scattered houses. And then the nearest the nearest towns were sort of Foxford and, and Balna, and Balna is where I went to like secondary school and stuff. So that's sort of that's the main town that I that I spent my, my youth in, and uh, it became a, it became the inspiration for a lot of the stories in both books. It is, I mean, it's a quiet part of the area uh, of the world, yeah. But uh, of course, when you're in it and you're in these communities, um, it has its characters and it has its its um, rough edges, like anywhere. And so, a lot of that, a lot of those aspects of the town and, and where I grew up, uh, influenced and fed into the stories. Colin, were you interested? Like, had, you must have had a good English teacher at school. I guess I was always interested in reading and, um, you know, I kind of went from when I was a very small kid, I, you know, I enjoyed reading comic books and, um, and then I graduated to sort of just reading, uh, fiction when I prose when I was a, a teenager. You know, I had, I had some good teachers, but it was always something I was just interested in myself. You know, I wasn't very, um, academically inclined or a very particularly diligent student, even with, even in English or whatever. So, so I wasn't always reading the syllabus, but uh, I was off reading, you know, books. You know, literary books, my, myself, literature, but um, it was sort of an activity. I, I didn't, I, I thought of it as separate to the world of homework and the world of doing your lessons and, you know, the required reading. So I always found it, it a pleasurable activity I could, I could do myself, you know, outside of that. And I think that sort of, that was a useful attitude to have when I, you know, later became, you know, wanted to become and then did become a writer. You know, I had, I had those years where it was just a, it was always a pleasure to me. It was always something, it wasn't something I had to be encouraged to do. I always, I always just happened to like reading for whatever reason. One of my own classmates has written a number of books and he's working on another one at the moment. And when I talked to him about it, he attributes what he does to our English teacher at school. Mm. He made a comment that our English teacher at, at school encouraged him in a subtle way that he had a skill. This guy wasn't a sport. He didn't play sports, really. He wasn't into kind of, you know, we were, I was at boarding school. So, you know, the kind of things that go on in that environment, if, if you're not into the, the rough and tumble of a boarding school, you don't always fit in. So then when it came to your writing and the stories, were there any particular writers that you would say you fell, got inspiration from in what they did? I mean, there was, a, there was always a lot of writers. I mean, I read everything as a teenager that I could get my hands on, you know, and anything I thought might be interesting. could be Irish writing, it could be, you know, uh, from anywhere in the world. And um, But I, I suppose the ones that really influenced, among the writers that influenced uh, me as I was becoming a writer, as I was, you know, sort of writing the stories that later turned into these books, um, 
the the most important one, I suppose, at a certain time was uh, Kevin Barry, an Irish Irish writer. He lives currently in he lives in Sligo at the moment. He's certainly in the West anyway. He writes a lot about the West. He he's uh, he's a little older than me, but he's 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 written a, a, um, a, a couple of collections of short stories. He's written novels. He's written some plays and everything. And uh, he was just writing about small town Ireland, um, but in a very modern way, in a very sort of in a very contemporary way. And so when I read his first book called There Are Little Kingdoms. Back in, I came out maybe, it came out in the mid 2000s, so it probably came out in 2006, 7, maybe I could have that wrong. But uh, I was just in, maybe just in college or just out of college. So I, I, I discovered those books. Yeah, it just, it just blew me away that you could kind of write in a very fresh and exciting way about the classic subject matter, which is small town, small town Irish life specifically. One of the things I remember commenting to somebody years ago when they talked about Frank McCourt's Angela's Ashes, and they mm. tried to say that it was particularly Irish and I kind of commented back and I said no like you would have had the same on the prairies in here in Canada or you would have had the same down east because it was the human side of it it's the universality in a way that small towns end up being a microcosm yeah I mean I found that too I mean that was one of my kind of worries Austin when I was writing the stories in the first book Young Skins was why why will anyone have a (laughs) care about small town this small town these characters in this small town in the, in the corner of Ireland but um, again, you know the book's been translated into several languages and in, anywhere I went in the world I've you know, been lucky to go to some far flung places to, to sort of promote the book and um, you know anywhere I would go whether it was China Holland Poland you know people would tell me I know people exactly like these <laughs> these characters you know I grew up in a small town or I grew up near a small town and people exactly like this and, uh, you know, so I, I was, I was sort of, you know, it, uh, it was a surprise to me and maybe it shouldn't have been, but it was that, you know, exactly as you're saying, the universality of these stories and, and that so you should never be afraid to sort of write about your own particular experiences because people will, readers will naturally find what resonates, the universal things that resonate in those stories with them. When you talk about characters that exist in towns, and I was having this conversation with someone recently as well, who's a writer at this modern world we live in, which is wrapped up in social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest of it, has meant that a lot of the characters that used to exist, particularly in smaller communities, are harder to find because the character, in a way, was the person who came out onto the street, had a personality, Mm. and people would recognize that personality. And in the modern world where people are behind closed doors or stuck with their nose stuck in a screen, a lot of these characters either go unnoticed or don't exist anymore. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, it's certainly a thing I thought about as, as I was writing. You know, when I look back now, Austin, because I've been writing a while, you know, I've been writing well over, I mean, I've been writing since I was in my teen, teens and I'm, I'm in my late 30s now. But, um, you know, as I get older, I, I kind of realize you are writing about, a, you know, you're tend to, one tends to write about your own formative experiences and your earlier experiences. And you do realize that a lot of the world I was writing about in my earlier book stories is kind of already going away it was on that hinge point you know you don't uh, I'd like to go back to my small town and I'd like it to be the same as it was 20 years ago I'd like the same characters to be there and be the same age of course they haven't they've grown older and you know and that's how it is that's the nature of life but you don't think of it that way you know and so in fiction you can you can kind of just write in I didn't realize I was doing it but I guess I was writing in tribute to these people you know um, and as for you know I, I don't know I think I think as it as, as time goes on I think people will Versions of these kind of people hopefully won't entirely disappear and they, they'll emerge maybe in, a, in new guises. But I think we've had the pandemic for the last two years. But humans are set social animals. They need, they need, they need contact. They need other people. I know there's, or deluge with screens and people don't have time for things, but, 
but it, you know, I think that impulse will always come back out of that. So, um, I, I totally get what you're saying. There's a certain type of small town character you hope never goes. You know, I, I read a lot of, I read the work of William Trevor or, or John McGarren. So the stories are littered with these characters and you really hope they don't, they don't entirely disappear. But my hope is that they won't, you know, but, but we'll have to see. And, and, and all you can do in your work is sort of, yeah, pay tribute to them by, by writing about them, you know. Getting down to the brass tacks of living, because we all have to put food on the table, a roof over our head and all the rest of us. And, you know, writing as a career, unless you can achieve massive sales fairly quickly, it can be difficult, I'm sure, to get from one oh, day yeah. to the next. So have you then had to have a daytime job? Um, I, I, am, I don't at the moment. Um, I am able to get by writing on just in. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a, a good place with it and I had to, but yeah, it's, it's, it's year to year, you know, and that's if it's going well. Uh, so I did this book, Homesickness has just come out and I, I've, I'm just finishing up a novel. I've finished up the novel that's going to come out next year. So I'm in the middle of a good publishing cycle, you know. Right. And so I can kind of commit to it full time for the moment. But yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, most writers I know do have to do other, other, other jobs and, um, you know, or, you know, teach writing or just work with something else. Um, and uh, I've, I've been lucky the last few years. I, I've been able to get to, to, to get by, but um, you um, you know you can never rule it out. And I mean, I try I try not to worry too much about it. I mean, I think you know I will. Uh, there's there's no. It's not a case of succeeding or failing on those terms. Mm-hmm. You know, you can keep writing, you can keep putting out books. You're you're doing well, and whether you can dedicate yourself to it full time or part time or whatever, you know, it is. It's ultimately just about. <laughs> getting back to the page every day and getting something down, you know, Austin, and you can go from there. Um, so I try to, I try to be open about that. If I need to go do something else down the line, I will. And, and if I can get away with uh, continuing to write full time, I will, but we'll see how it goes, you know. Um, Are you structured? Like, do you have a schedule where the alarm goes off at yeah. six o'clock in the morning and you're writing at 7 a.m. or it goes off. Not so. I, I, of course, wish I was more productive with my time. I think that's a completely universal impulse. My, my wife has a, you know, is a, a doctor and she's a salary job and she's got, you know, that she's in the office and all that, but she still spends all her time wishing she was more productive and can organize her time better and get more done. It's, it's a very universal impulse. Um, what I try to do is just get something done every day. Yeah. You know, you'll have, um, like right now, I'm in a, as I say, I'm, I'm between, I'm just, you know, two books coming out by publishing standards in pretty quick succession, one this year and one next year. So I find myself doing a few bits of like media like this and, you know, this, this stuff can take up your day and writing, writing articles and doing bits and bobs around it. And that's all great because you're very grateful that anyone wants to talk to you about it and pay attention. Um, so it's kind of, you just have to try and write in between the gaps when, when you're doing that for a little while. And then most of the time, of course, Nobody's interested in talking to you. You're just writing, you're writing your books in between. And uh, I try to get something done every day and I try to, um, you know, I like, I, I don't have a strict word count or anything, but I, I definitely want to spend this, an amount of time I want to spend every day writing and, and, um, you know, I don't mind editing. I don't mind rewriting and stuff like that. That's, that's the key to, to getting work done and, um, to getting it up to standard. So yeah, I just, I try and I wish, I wish, of course, I could, I could, um, you know, get eight hours of productive writing done a day every day, but uh, it's not always possible. But if you can get something done as much as you can and uh, and just keep at it, you will have a book eventually at the end of the at the end of all that. You know. Yeah, because unlike a lot of other professions, <clears throat> uh, creat- creativity is not something that you can turn on or turn off. 
uh, at particular times and particular hours and say, well, okay, my creative time is from 10 until yeah. 12. Uh, the ability to have to be able to respond to the creativity when it's there. Yeah, and it's, but of course it is then, of course, if you're lucky enough, that it resembles a job in, in that, you know, you've got people wanting to ask you for writing. I mean, you do have to, you have deadlines and you have to just get stuff done and you can't work forever on the one piece and all that. So it is finding that line, Austin, you can't, you can't be beholden to just, you can't, you, you can't turn it on and off like a faucet as much as you wish you could. But then you can't just wait until you have a creative impulse because you've been waiting a long time in some cases. So it, it's like getting else. If you get up and, and go and open your manuscript, your document and just start going at it, even on the days you don't, you feel flat and you don't feel particularly inspired and you feel tired, you will still get, you'll go, always get more out of it than you thought. You'll think there's always a bit of, of creative juice in there. So it is like any other job in that respect. You have to, you have to keep at it to get, to get something. Colin, I don't know, are there many authors who would start off by deciding to put out short stories? I know in the movie business, you get people and they'll put out a short documentary or something in the hope that the, that gets noticed, gets picked up and they can get the funding to do a full feature. But in yeah. writing, an awful lot of writers, I would have thought, go straight in and produce a novel. Is there something about the short story that appealed to you as being the way to go? Um, I, I just fell in love with the form and I discovered it Austin. Yeah, it's basically not as popular as novels. They have people in the bookstores they generally, if they're buying fiction, they generally want to buy a, a big novel they can get lost in for a while you know. Uh, so stories are always a bit more of a tricky proposition for people but I do love the form. I love the uh, intensity of it. A good short story I think has, a, has, a, has an intensity a bit like a poem or something. You're not going to get the full story of a character's life or anything but you you might have a very vivid episode from their life and I, I, I find that you know that, that sort of thing often just that glimpse of a character into a character's life into their soul can resonate just as much as the big novels about the, the entirety of their life you know I think life is more like a, a series of moments to me so stories you know that have that brevity and that intensity to them almost match more how I how I experience life like you know when I think back on it it's a series of moments and and so uh, that's what appeals to me about it, yeah. One of the things I've heard a lot of writers say is that as they start working on something, and I'm curious because the short story format, but particularly when they start working on a novel, that the characters evolve in their, they get to know their own characters. Hmm. And as a result of getting to know their own characters, some writers have said to me that they even change where the story was going as they got to know their own characters. Now, as you said, a short story is much more intensive. So would that in any way apply? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I find it's the exact same way, Austin. I don't, it's not that I don't worry about plot. I do like things to happen in my, my stories. And, and indeed, the, the novel I've written, I, you know, I don't want it to be a plot-free ramble. But um, I do I do the same thing. I, it's about discovering the character first, really, getting a sense of them. And that can then dictate where the story is going to go, you know. So it is a kind of, it's a similar process. I build out my stories very slowly. And the same with the novel. I just had a, you know, I had a couple of characters and I just build out the, the world from, from sort of, yeah, writing about them, uh, getting a feel for them, and then just sort of allowing that to dictate where the plot will go rather than having a plot that you're just going to plug characters into I think I, I would find that a much more difficult way to write so on a very basic level you just want to try and write about a character you find interesting as a writer and hopefully then that translates to the reader who will also find them interesting Homesickness is hitting the shelves here in Canada this week 
eight short stories or eight medium length stories. No, because they're not quite the three, four pages that a lot of short stories can be. And an interesting selection, uh, the shooting at Rahudan, the Ways, the Alps. Whoever is there, come on through the Silver Crest, Ahadonia, here I come, the Low Shimmering Black Dawn, and the Ten. But you have it under the umbrella homesickness. Mm. Where do, where's the umbrella come from, I guess? I mean, I knew I wanted to keep writing about, you know, where, where I'm from, from Mayo, the west of Ireland. Um, that was always just, you know, it's just an effortless source of inspiration to me. I, you know, also when I sit down and I, I, I find myself writing about characters, invariably they, you know, I find them in a, a small town or, a, you know, country, countryside, part of the countryside, much like where I came from. Not always. There's a story set in Toronto, for instance, in the, in the new collection, but, um, more or less, I'm still writing about the same sort of place and people I've been writing about for 10 or 15 years. But uh, as you get older and you, you know, you change uh, in your relationship to home changes, you know, I'm very much, I have a, I have a young family now and I am living in a different country, not just in a different part of Ireland, which is, you know, I was in Dublin for most of when I was writing Young Skins, but I could be back in Mayo all the time, really, when I, whenever I wanted. Um, whereas over the writing of homesickness, I was, I was here. So I, I was in Toronto. So I was, I was in back home a lot less. So I was writing much more from memory. And I think that, that, that sort of, they're a little bit more poignant because of that, these stories, and they're a little bit more, they're a little bit more of a complicated relationship with the idea of, of the small town community you're from. You know, the characters in the, my first book were very young people who were living, who lived in Glan Bay, which is the fictional town, uh, of that collection all their lives. So they had a very, um, even if they had a difficult relationship with their hometown, they had a very secure one, you know, it was the only place they knew. Um, whereas the characters in Homesickness are a bit older, a bit more worldly. Some of them have been away and come back. And, and so their relationship to home is a, is a bit more contingent. It's, it's less solid. Um, and that's a, that feeling I had just seemed to be summed up by the, by the title Homesickness. The one thing I, um, I suppose found, um, I won't say challenging. I don't know what the right word would be, but uh, one of the lessons I've had to learn, I suppose, is that when you emigrate, um, you recognize where you've arrived, that what might have been where you were doesn't necessarily apply. Mm. So, um, like I know, for example, down in the US, the one thing you could never say to anybody is go to hell. <laughs> Whereas in yeah. Ireland, we would say that regularly and it would be just a, just it's yeah. light. Yeah. It's the worst possible thing you could say to somebody in the US. Mm. Does it ever, um, or do you consider that the colloquialisms or the local, what particularly lingo might have been in and around parts yeah. of Mayo, um, that it may not translate or it may not um, be appreciated? Yeah, I mean, you always worry about that. I mean, you're, you're you know, um, compared to people in other countries, you're, you're writing in, you know, family in English, if, uh, you know, so there's no challenge with the language itself for, you know, US or readers in England or anywhere else in the English speaking world. But yeah, you just think, how are they, <laughs> how are they going to understand the way these characters talk? And I, I just always, um, just had to put that aside and, and, and do it. You know, I just have my characters talk the way they talk. They talk in hiberno English or whatever, you know, they, they grammatically and stuff even. It's not, it's not very similar to the way sentences are constructed and spoken by, by people in America, people in, in England or wherever. And, um, 
but I just I just went with it. I mean, uh, it does help that Irish rep writing has a pretty good global reputation, and so it is. You're hardly going to be generally not going to be the first book, first Irish book a someone in the US or whatever has encountered in their life, probably not. And um, so that does help a little bit. But uh, you just have to write it and hope that readers will will understand that it's it's um that that authenticity is is going to help help is going to help you say something about the characters you're writing about in a way that, that it couldn't, you know, if you, if you tried to, to moderate that and, uh, you know, it wouldn't be as authentic and it wouldn't be as real. And I think that that would, that would ultimately harm the stories or harm book more than it would help it, you know? Yeah, because I, I can't say, and I, well, I don't know. I would never want to come across the female cop that's up in the round County Mayo. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be on her wrong side. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to, things like that, even, that, that story, uh, the, the opening story of shooting in Rathredon, uh, was in the, it was uh, originally published in the New Yorker magazine, uh, uh-huh. in the US. And I mean, again, I just thought this is even just down to the title, like, like, this is such a, this may not be the most accessible, you know, thing. It's about a, it's about a small town, uh, yeah, I, I cop and, and there's an incident on a farm she has to go investigate. And, uh, but even just culturally, it's so, it, guards, you know, guards, the police, Police men and women in, in Ireland, you know, they don't carry guns, for instance, like the U.S. Uh, police do and stuff like that. So there's so much which completely changes the tenor of the story. You know, it's about, you know, the, 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 the guy she's investigating is armed, but she's she not. And, and so it's that just, you know, that's just not a story. That story wouldn't happen that way in the U.S., for instance. So, again, it's just trusting the readers can can go with that. And if they have to, maybe they'll have to double check that themselves or they'll have to, you know, um, just accept the premise. Um, it's a... Uh, it's definitely something to sort of, I, I'll always keep in mind, but I mean, it's ultimately you have to put it aside and just tell the story authentically and, and hope that people can go with it, you know. Well, I say the book's hitting the shelves this week, um, and uh, I'm sure it's probably available, going to be online as well as in some uh, regular bookstores. Um, are you out there doing any launches? Um, yeah, we're, we're doing a bit of things now. It's coming out uh, in Canada and the U.S. at the same time. It's, it's already. It, um, I was back in Ireland a few weeks ago. It came out in uh, early March in Ireland, the U.K. So uh, it's it's out the uh, first week in May uh, here, here in in Canada and the U.S. So um, yeah, I'll be doing a few things. And uh, I was uh, at a just at a literary festival there, the Fire Festival, the Fire Festival, the Fry Festival um, in uh, Moncton there. Uh, in New Brunswick uh, just at the weekend so I got up there for the first time in my life and uh, met some very nice people and, uh, did a few readings and uh, I've been uh, the Bay Area Book, Book Festival in San Francisco in, in a couple of weeks and uh, there'll be something in New York as well after that so uh, and hopefully I mean anyone, anyone wants me to come read in Canada I will uh, I will do my best to accommodate them well uh, we should give directions to where again uh, the book is called Homesickness um, it's available uh, through online retailers, as well as uh, you can probably check on the the bookstores. And yeah, it's, um, it's a Canadian publisher, McClellan and Stewart are doing it, so you should be able to get it in any in, in you know certainly be able to order it, get it in any 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 bookstore here in Canada, and yeah, all the usual online spaces too. Well, Colin, Colin Barr has been a great pleasure meeting you, chatting with you. Every success, and thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you so much, Austin. It's been lovely to speak to you.